Well, Happy New Year to everybody. I'm glad everybody is here today on this very cold winter morning. So glad to have everybody here. A uh, couple of things before I get started. Uh, one of the things I'd like to tell you is what's coming next. Five years ago when I got here, one of the most interesting things about this congregation was that y'all were different. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing that you are different. And there was something special about this congregation, something peculiar in many ways. Just the way you acted toward one another, just the way you loved one another, the spirit of unity, the spirit of peace that existed in this congregation, it was interesting. And so, next week I'm going to begin a new series called The Lake Home is Standard. What we are as a people and what we need to be as a people, what we continue to need to be as a people, and I don't know how long it's going to last, but it'll last. But I want to go through some of the things that I see in you as a congregation and maybe give you some things that I think will help us even as we move forward as a body of believers. Now, we're going to talk about drift today. And I want to read that passage one more time that Austin just read. This word, just let me give you the word drift. The word drift only occurs one time in the New Testament. Only one time, and it's right here in this passage. It's right here in this passage that we see in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen to it again. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Now, when I think of the word drift, the first thing that I came to mind for me was that image that you just saw on the screen of cars drifting. Now, that was just my first thought. I know many of you probably thought, and this word really does kind of have that desire of if you're in an ocean and you're on like a boogie board or just sitting out there just doing whatever, and all of a sudden you, it just kind of takes you out and keeps going and you just drift and, and you look up after you've fallen asleep for two hours on that board and you look up and you're nowhere close to, to the shore. And you get out there. And I understand that that's, that's the way this word is. But when I thought of the word drift, I thought of the 1971 Volkswagen Beetle that my dad bought brand new. And it was a force green. Engine in the back, you know, if you know what a Volkswagen Beetle is. And so it's one of those round-shaped cars, if you don't know. For all those older people, we know. And there's still some out there. We can still see them out there. They're still around, and you kind of look at it, and you go, bug. And, you know, we used to do that when they came, counting cars and all that stuff. We always, what is it, slug bug, right, back then? So you saw one, you hit your neighbor and said, slug bug. And so that's kind of what it is. Well, my brother and I got that car when we turned 16 as something that we could drive. Well, we learned very early on that because of the way this car was, and my brother was a lot better at it than I was, 
that you could actually go and hit a turn and make that car just go like this and just slide and slide and slide around and where you could get it to almost just do donuts, just in a, in a circle. And it was awesome. And my brother loved it because he loved to get all the girls in the car with him and they would hold on and go, ah, like that. I never did that. <laughs> Don't ask Deborah. So anyway... So anyway, that's what happened. Well, one day, one day, we were drifting, if you want to call it that, because that's kind of what it is, big in Japan right now, right? You can see those drifting. They even have contests doing this, going around the corner drifting and stuff and power and stuff and everything. And so we were, I was, one day we were at school and had a gravel parking lot. My brother was out giving rides to anybody and everybody that wanted to, and he was doing donuts in the, par- in the parking lot. And I had started walking home, and I seen my dad come in his car and going right back to the back. And I started running. I went, too late. Can't help him out. Not going to help him now. And he was, he was gone. I got the car for two weeks. <laughs> he couldn't drive it at all. For two weeks, I got that car. And I wonder sometimes in our spiritual lives, in our spiritual lives, how we as individuals, sometimes drift. Sometimes we have that hard drift, right? It's that one that would be that bug, that something happened that makes us just go, I'm done, I'm gone. But for the most part, for the most part, our drifting, our drifting is more like being out at sea. And gradually, gradually moving away from the shore that actually gives you the safety that you need. Because the further you get out, the harder it is to get back. The more difficult it is to get back. Because then you're fighting against the tide and everything there. And so it's very difficult to actually get back. So let's define this. And if you've got your outlines, you can actually fill this in here on your bulletin. So here's the first one. Let's just talk about what drift means and give you this. Drift is to disbelieve gradually or slowly is what is meant here. To disbelieve gradually or slowly. So the whole idea of looking at our lives and going, okay, I see myself moving away, I see myself moving away, I see myself moving away. And by the time we get to a place that's so far away from where we need to be, from the shore, from that of safety, that it's almost as if I gradually just kind of go out the door. And how many of us know individuals, even here in our body of believers, that have done that? They go out and then they just seem to never come back. And they come back maybe once and then they just keep going and keep going. Here's the second thing. The second thing is to be carried away by a current. Carried away by a current, that drift, that moving away. That's what this means. And so there is something that's pulling you're carried away. You're actually being pulled away from that. And we've seen people like this as well, whether it's the world or whatever it is in our own life that has grabbed us and is now tearing us and pulling us away from what we know is right. And I appreciated Robert's comments very much. Because every single one of us have been there, haven't we? Every single one of us have been to a place to where we seem like we have drifted away further than we need to, that we need to come back to where that solid ground 
is. Now, why do we drift? Why do we drift? Why are the reasons that we actually drift? All right, let me give you five things. They're all, all going to be on the screen right now, but let me just kind of go through them. The first thing is, is we're distracted. We're distracted. Something else, something else requires our attention. When we're in cars right now, all you have to hear is a, bu- here's a ding or whatever your ringtone is, or you just hear the vibrator in the car, and you go, mm, and you go, oh, no, I can look at that. Right? How many of us? Yeah, not supposed to, right? But we get distracted. And then we pull it up, and we look at it while we're driving, and more accidents occur because of that than anything. It's the same thing that happens in our spiritual lives, Right? In our spiritual lives, we do the same thing. We get distracted. Something comes up, and we go, oh, this requires my attention, and it takes our attention off of where we need to be, and that's Jesus Christ. Here's the second one, a lack of awareness, a lack of awareness. We wake up one day, and we go, how in the world did I get here? How did I get here in my spiritual life? It's like I don't even realize that I have been on this journey to where I am right now. Here's the third thing. Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. We take on too much. We do too much. It's just like I'm overwhelmed with all of life and everything that's going on, and I have no time for what's important. The fourth one is to be pulled or pushed. And I got one word, one word, priorities. Do I need to say anything else? Our priorities push and they pull us. And then the last one is E, is our belief is weak. Our belief is weak. And many of us feel that that's one of the reasons that we drift, is because we don't have a solid foundation, and we're not really building our faith on the rock, Jesus Christ. Okay, so going back to that same passage that we went to in Hebrews chapter 1, Teach chapter 2, verses 1. I want to look at verse 1 and we'll see what it says. Verse 1 is very important because it is an imperative, okay? And this imperative is giving us instructions on how we're supposed to act and what we're supposed to do in order to help us not have this drift, not go from one place to another, not have this idea of that. Here it is in what he says. Therefore, we must do what? Pay much more closer, much closer attention to what we have heard. How many of us, our attention span is not very good? (laughs) Okay, that's kind of like me too. You get something that you go, what's the the comic, the the movie? It's like, oh, uh, it's like squirrel, dogs, home, uh, what? Up, up, oh, up, absolutely. And you love the dogs, don't you? Because all it takes is squirrel, whoop. You know, that's, that's, that's me. Anybody else, right? All right, so when something happens, it's like, okay, I'm going to take my mind off of that. And there, what, what Paul is saying, or who the writer of Hebrews, let me put it that way, the writer of Hebrews is saying is, pay much closer attention to what you have heard, lest you drift away from it. What's it? What's it? Unless you drift away from what? What's it here? Anybody want to gather what that is? That it there is that anointing that you have in your life of Jesus Christ that has been given to you and to us to live inside of us. 
It's the Spirit of God. And so we're not listening to that, and therefore we are drifting away because we're not listening to what has been put in us, the Spirit of God and the Bible and the Scriptures that have been given to us. And it's easy for us. We don't spend enough time doing that. There's only one other time, there's two other times that this word in Greek is used in the Hebrew. One's in Isaiah, one's in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. And here's where that word is used. It says this, my son, do not lose sight of these. Do not lose sight of these. Now, if you read that whole passage, you're going you're to realize that, that these is the teachings, the commandments, the knowledge of God. Don't lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. Sound wisdom. And what the, in, in that same Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 3, it says, bind them around your neck. Bound these commands, bound these teachings, everything around your neck. And, and, and write them on the tablet of your heart. That's what that is. So let me, give you the, let me give you those two blanks. Sound wisdom is this. Sound wisdom is a particular kind of wisdom. It's a particular kind of wisdom. Do you, do you know that the Jewish uh, way that they actually look at the Bible, they have four different ways that they actually see Scripture. One is, the first one is called the Passat. The Passat is just what you see on the surface. This is why Jesus said in his parables, Jesus said this in his parables, he said, no, I didn't want to make them easy for people, I actually want to make them hard. I want to make them hard. My teachings aren't easy, my teachings are very hard. Because the Jewish would, you could look at a surface, and, and this is where most of us are, when we look at a parable, we go, oh, that's the surface, that's what that means. But what they would do is they say, Jesus would have given that parable for something much deeper than that. He would have given them the remez, and a remez is something that would point them, in that parable, something that would point them back to Scripture as they knew it, Scripture as they knew it, and there would be a deeper meaning in that remez that was in there. And so when Jesus, I can just see Jesus sitting there by the fire, and he's told one of these parables, and, all he, and he's listening to his disciples, and they're going, what did he really mean by that? Where is that? Where could we? Because every one of them, most, I guarantee you, every one of those disciples went through Jewish school, and you know what you do in Jewish school? You memorize the Torah. They knew the Torah back and forth. And they also, if they were a little older, they would have even learned it, memorized the rest of the Bible. That's what they did in school. And so when he points to a parable, he's actually pointing to something else much deeper than that. And then there would have been a drosh, a drosh, which would have been that eye-opening particular wisdom that would have come to their mind and they would have gone, I get it. The deeper meaning hidden in all of that. I think many of us live our lives here. On the surface, seeing what's going, but we never dig deeper to where we need to find the true meaning. And that's all because you have to connect it all together. Connect it all together. Next one is discretion. The trait of judging wisely and objectively. Okay, so here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to in this sermon on a positive note and give you some things that you can do to help you in this new year. All right, how many of you remember 
the actual, how many were here last week? Okay, quite a few. All right, so pop test, pop test. All right, let's see. What was the image at the top of the uh, diagram? Don't look back, Elaine. Quit. Heart. Heart was at the top, right, of the diagram. Okay, we went to the bottom. What's, what's the object that we did there? What? The eyeglass. Spy, the eyeglass, the glasses, you know, binoculars, seeing. And it was va it values, no? Yeah, values. Right? No, values is over here. Vision, that's right. And you had started with the V. Vision on the bottom. Onto, the, onto your right up here, what was the image there? Nope, that was on the left side, right side. What? As a matter of fact, glasses on the bottom. This is on the right. This was a shovel, right? Behavior. We're talking about doing. And then the left side was the suitcase. Values, keeping those values. Okay, so we got some work to do, don't we? All right. All right, so here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to think about how do I live a better life now? And here's what I, I think we all need to do. Begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. I think this is an interesting quote that Dallas Willard says. He says this, One does not miss heaven by a hair, but by constant effort to avoid and escape God. And here's what I know. There's going to be a day of reckoning for all of us. That's what Matthew 16, verse 27 says, For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. And here's my question that I ask myself, and I want you to ask yourself, how do I design a life that I want to leave? How do I design a life that I want to leave to others? What do I need to do? And let me give you three things. How do I design this life I want to leave? And how do I desire to be remembered as a person? And then what matters most? What matters most? Okay, listen to this verse in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 20. And this, I, I'm going to take this out of context a little bit. Because that first highlighted sentence out there, when I read this and did this, I, I was like, that gets me. It hit me right here in the heart. Paul says this, for I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish. And I was thinking, I was thinking, well, what if Jesus actually said that to me? What if Jesus actually said, and he looks at me and he goes, he goes, I may not find you as I wish. And I was like, that's hard. That's difficult. Because I want God to find me, and I want Jesus, when he returns, to find me as one who is worthy, one who is his child. And then he goes on. And that you, may be, that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. And it made me think about my own life. How do I want to be seen by God? 
And I looked at all this. And I've got some work to do. I've got some work to do. So what matters most? What matters most? Do I exhibit and demonstrate the character of Jesus? That's what matters most. Do I exhibit and demonstrate the character of Jesus? Another Dallas Willard quote, one of the greatest barriers to meaningful spiritual formation in Christ's likeness is our overconfidence in the spiritual efficacy of regular church services. Though they are vital, they are not enough. They're not enough. Our problem is, is that my problem, I'll just put it in my problem, my problem is my desire. Where's my desire? Is my desire toward God or is my desire for what I want? And that is in conflict. And it shows up in my life. It shows up in all of our lives, right? Because our desire is something that's there that we want this. So let me give you five things real quick. Five things with the scripture on each of them. Five things. I did this one last week too, but I'm going to give it to you again because I think it's important. Five things. Here's the first thing. Put on, put off. Put on, put off. What are you going to do this year to put on and put off? Paul says to put on your old self. Put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. I have a mentor. I have a couple of mentors, one sitting here, one's in Texas. And those mentors, I love that they are continuing to do the work One's turning 90 pretty soon, the other one's over 80, and they're an admonition to me all the time. Do the work. That's the admonition that I receive from my mentors. Do the work. Do the work when it comes to building a sermon. Do the work when it comes to your ministry. Do the work. So that's one. Put off, put on. What do you need to put off and what do you need to put on this year? Here's the second thing. Define His priorities or focus for your life. Define His priorities for your focus in your life. I can't do that for you. No one can do that for you. You have to search and seek. And what is God speaking to me about my priorities and what I need to do? For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? So where's, where is where's the Spirit of God actually nudging you to go in this direction? Where is He nudging you to say, hey, I need you to go this way or that way? Where is God actually nudging you in your life? And you feel it in your heart. And you listen to those things. All right, here's the third thing. Create new habits. Create new habits. If you continue to do the same thing, that you've always done, what happens? You get the same results, don't you? If you're going to do the same thing over and over, you're still going to get the same results. The only way for there to be actual change in our lives is there's got to be a change 
of habits. I've got to change the way I either think, the way I do, the way I act. It's got to change. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, what? Say it together with me. Practice these things. Practice. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. And the God of peace will be with you. In other words, do the work. Do the work. All right, here's number four. Be accountable to another. Be accountable to another. Share your action steps. Do something that can say, can you, here, here's what I'm going to try to do this year. Can you help me facilitate this? Can you help me, hold me accountable for this? Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their tool. For if they fall, one will lift, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to the one who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. I've always said that my Christian walk, my Christian walk is a lot of falling forward. Anybody with me? Your Christian walk is a lot of falling forward or failing forward in many ways. I fail, I get up, I go forward. I fail, I get up, I go forward. I fall, I get up, I go forward. That's what we're supposed to do. And here's the last one. Train and practice. Train and practice. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, he will be like his teacher. All right, here's the last thing, last thing. You can skip a couple of slides there, Greg. Last thing, number six, leave a legacy. Leave a legacy. Leave a, leave a legacy. That's something that's handed down to another. What are you leaving for those who are coming after you. It's one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things you go through Scripture, Abraham, leave a legacy, give it to Isaac. Isaac gives it to Jacob. Jacob gives it to Joseph. And then it goes down and it goes and spreads. Leave a legacy that others can follow. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide. So let me ask you in this new year, what kind of legacy are you building? What kind of legacy are you building in your life? Are you drifting, or are you coming toward the shore? Let's stand.